0: It's 2 Brain Radio. Every week, we'll deliver top shelf tactics to help you improve your fitness business and move you closer to wealth. And now, here's your host, the most interesting man in fitness, Chris Cooper. Today's episode is brought to you by Muscle Driver USA. This is one of the best producers of equipment in the world. These guys are the retailers for Pendlay bars. I use their rigs in both my gyms. I use their bars at home because this is a really high quality bar and uh, though I don't put it in general usage among my groups, I love lifting with this thing all summer in my home gym. On April 16th, I'll be at Muscle Driver USA and we just keep adding more and more stuff to this sweet seminar. The goal of Muscle Driver was to create this opportunity for box owners to come in and learn about business. And I've been doing seminars now for about five years, uh, starting down in the Fort Lauderdale area. Um, What I've learned basically from these seminars, just like going to a coaching seminar, is that you can really only store so much of this information in your head. So the best thing that I can do is give you Uh, A good start to learning, give you some of the foundational stuff, and then give you a lot of discussion and interaction with other box owners, and then really give you a good experience. So combining with uh, the muscle driver weightlifting team, we're going to start off the day with some lecture stuff on business, introduce you to concepts like 4-9s, like the stratified model, talk about them in practice, tell you some good stories so that the lessons really sink in, and then we're going to go tour the factory. You know, Then we're going to watch the muscle driver team training in action, and then we'll come back and talk about box culture with Jason Ackerman. My great friend Von Vernon from Affiliate Guard is going to be there, and it's really all about the experience. As we go, a lot of people are trying to sponsor this thing. They want to get in on it. There's going to be a huge group of affiliate owners there. It's only 99 bucks, and already the content is spilling into Sunday. So if you're booking travel plans, plan to show up Friday night. We'll get together then. We'll be together all day, a very long day on Saturday. And now it looks like we're going to be having kind of a group breakfast Sunday morning. This thing just keeps getting better and better. It's only 99 bucks, and you can register on the Two Brain Business site. This podcast is also sponsored by the Two Brain Coaching 90-Day Challenge. I am committed with my team from TwoBrainCoaching.com to elevating your game as coaches. I want you to go take seminars. I want you to do as much continuing education as you can, but in our research on education, we know that drip education is best. Little doses right when you need it every month in a consistent way. Some of that education is elevating the IQ of your coaches, knowing what to look for knowing how to identify problems and how to fix them some is elevating the eq the emotional intelligence of your coaches and some of that blends together in different philosophies and methodologies like explaining the why one of the best habits that your coaches can get into is explaining the why of every workout why are we doing this why is it relevant to a particular audience why are we doing it today this can be the cornerstone of everything else when you start knowing that you'll have to explain the why to a group, maybe your programming changes. Maybe it's a lot easier to alter your programming. Maybe it's easier to scale because now we know what the outcome is going to be. This is one very basic habit of all the top coaches. So what I want you to do is spend the next 90 days getting better at explaining the why in your workout. There's a link in the show notes to sign up for the twobraincoaching.com 90 day challenge. I've got an amazing prize for you. It's a full year of the Upcoach program, it's worth about $1,500. And all you got to do is commit to trying this, making yourself better. There's no downside here. Go to the show notes, find a link to the program, sign up for the 90 day challenge. Even if you don't win, even if you're not good at it, the practice will make you a better coach and improve your box. Today's topic is a really important one that is becoming more relevant as time goes on. About twice every month, I get this call from people who have booked a free call through my website and they want to talk about either buying or selling a gym their reasons are plenty. Sometimes they are just out of money and out of patience and out of time. You know, the entrepreneurial life was a little bit more than they bargained for, that's fine. You know, we often say that it's easy to open a gym, it's hard to keep a gym. I get it. Sometimes people are looking to buy a gym or they're looking to buy out a current partner, and in those cases, we need to do evaluation. This episode is not all about math. It's about the story of Jason Ackerman who has sold two boxes and opened up a total of three so far. He has uh, changed his shareholder structure in the third one, so there's some interesting stuff talking about there. What's important, though, is to realize what your box is actually worth. And if you listen to this episode, at the end, you're going to get a cash flow calculator from our friends at Rig Equipment Finance. These guys have been awesome about helping affiliates out with the math, helping affiliates borrow money, and how to get people started. You know, not all debt is bad debt. And I write a lot about assets in Two Brain Business 2.0. Speaking of assets, when you're valuing your box, I think there's one more thing to keep in mind. And that is that a gym or any service industry business is not an investment-grade asset. You don't build this thing up to flip it like you would a piece of software or a product. And I think that's where a lot of people get confused. However, it can be a cash flow asset. What's the difference? A cash flow asset is something that you build into a system that runs itself automatically without your hand on the tiller every second and generates a passive stream of income for you. And again, I go into great depth on this in Two Brain Business 2.0. So while you're not going to build your business up into a $5 million enterprise, sell it to amazon.com and then retire from there. What you can do is build it into an enterprise that doesn't need your constant presence, that pays you a wage or a salary every year. And at the point where you're getting paid but you're not working as much, now you have an asset. And if you're like me, maybe you want to be completely free of the asset or have the choice. So you retire and you come in and coach only when you want to. You still get paid the same amount, but your time is free to work on other assets, like maybe starting a second gym or a completely different company or buying your building. Whatever that is, this episode is going to be relevant for you to start with figuring out the value of your box. When we measure a box of success, we don't go strictly by valuation. We also measure seven areas of excellence in a box, and I'm going to link to that article in the show notes. If you want to see how your box stacks up, you can also take our free box checkup. It's about 70 different questions related to culture, metrics that matter, and other areas like owner lifestyle, resilience, how long can your box stick around, and are you on the right track? The purpose here is to give you a good snapshot, an objectively measurable set of feedback to let you know how you're doing. If nobody tells you this objectively, you'll never know. You could be on the wrong track, or you could just maybe have one little weak link, and I want to help you discover those things. That's what a mentor does, and that's what the mentoring program is for. Jason Ackerman was in the mentoring program a long time ago. I met him through CrossFit for Hope. He's been on this show before, and now he's a mentor with 2 You're going to enjoy this show, but I hope you really use the cash flow Valuation tool from our friends at Rig Equipment. If you're thinking about buying, selling a box, if you're thinking about buying out your partner or selling your shares, this is the math that you need to know. Final word, when you're valuing your box, a lot of people will tell you that if you're trying to use a three-year discounted cash flow to figure out what it's actually worth for sale, they're going to say that you need to have your clients on some kind of contract. In fact, one of my first banks even told me this same thing. But I hate contracts, as everybody knows, And so, I want you to rest assured that you can borrow money or you can value your business without having people on these long term contracts. I don't have anybody on any contracts other than a month to month recurring payment. And I was able to borrow a huge sum of money to buy a building and then do other business ventures just showing my adherence and retention rates. What matters is that you have data, not that you have contracts. Keep that in mind. Enjoy the episode. All right, Jason Ackerman, welcome back to Two Brain Radio. Thanks
1: for having me once again, Chris.
0: Uh, it's my pleasure, man. And today we're talking more specifically about uh, something we touched on last time, and that is selling your gym. So just for folks who aren't you know, as familiar with your story as I am, uh, what led to the decision to sell your gym? Well, as we discussed, I've
1: sold three CrossFit affiliates, all for very different reasons. The one I get asked the most about is, Albany CrossFit, which I had opened in 2007, and what led to that was really just an offer I couldn't refuse.
0: Okay, you said that you know you sold all three for different reasons, and I know that uh, right now some people are thinking more about selling. You know, they've got their own reasons, but what were the reasons that you had for each?
1: All right, well, if I laid them all out for you, the first affiliate that I opened in 2007 was Albany CrossFit. And like I said. I just got an offer from someone looking to buy, and I couldn't refuse it. I had no intention of selling it; it wasn't anything I had ever dreamed of. And the offer was made, and through some negotiation, we we came to a final number, and it was sold. The second box I off, I had opened was called Cross Equipment Park. It was just a small suburb, not far from Albany, and. I had opened in 2011. I sold it right around the same time as Albany CrossFit. And that was more, I had opened with a partner. And while I was the majority owner, he and I just weren't getting along as far as partner goes. You know, that's a whole other discussion you own a Boss or the partner. And it was pretty black and white. One of us wanted out. If I still had Albany CrossFit. And he was kind of the face of that affiliate. So it was very simple. You know, you want to keep it, here's what we have laid out in our agreement, kind of done and done. And then the final affiliate, CrossFit Soul Shine, which I opened in October of 2014 after having sold both of these, was really just a matter of wanting a change of, of lifestyle. I moved from New York to Florida, and my partner was doing a great job. We were getting along well. Everything was going uh, smoothly, the gym was successful and I just wanted to move. I actually continue to own a small percentage of that box but he's, he's the base, he, he handles everything and, and he and I just touch base every so often but I really am very hands off of it; I've just kept a small percentage.
0: Okay and the story we're really focusing on here is Albany. Um, so could you just walk us up through the discussion that led to the sale? Who initiated it and what was what were the first conversations there?
1: Well I had been at this kind of globo gym since 2000. Since graduating college, I was a personal trainer doing all the spin, aerobics, etc. And I find CrossFit in 2006 and begin implementing it in my life and bringing it to my clients' lives. And the reason that's important is because I approached the owner and the manager of the facility, the court club, and they had 18 racquetball courts. 12 racquetball courts, I should say six squash courts, which are virtually the same exact size. And they had started converting some of those courts to other things because that sport is not really booming anymore like it was in the 70s. And I rented a a court. I went to one racquetball court in 2007 and opened Albany CrossFit. And over the years, I expanded to eventually occupying five of the courts and expanding a little bit outdoors etc and i wanted to continue to grow i was still passionate about crossfit i still am i still loved my community and my members and i was in this building that was falling apart and he wasn't really doing anything to help rebuild it or keep it up to date so i was just looking at it as i have a few options i can leave which would be a huge even Although the building itself was run down, it was in a very, very highly trafficked area. It was central location to a lot of places. So I so I didn't really want to move. So I approached him and I said, would you be interested in selling me this building? And my my dream was he'd say yes, and I could have this huge CrossFit facility. I could even keep some of the racquetball court, even keep the Globo Gym area, keep the aerobics and kind of run this, Entire facility, but my focus would be CrossFit. And his very quick response was, "No, but I would be willing to buy Albany CrossFit." Which completely—it took me off by you know, by surprise. I, I had no idea he'd be interested in that, and it wasn't you know part of my negotiating strategy or anything. And I said, "Wow, all right." And that kind of opened the doors to a conversation.
0: Yeah, I remember actually speaking to you. Uh, I think a, a few days or maybe a week after he had come back to you with that offer, and at sure, you weren't sure at first. You weren't sure what you were going to do, right?
1: I wasn't. I wasn't sure what we were going to do, and and the reason being, you know, it wasn't as if he said, "I'll buy it." Here's my offer. You know, it just kind of was thrown out there that if we we're interested. I had no idea what that meant. I didn't know what it was valued at. I didn't know how to value it. I didn't know that I wanted to sell it or what I would do with my life if I sold it. So it just, like I said, it just kind of started the conversation.
0: Okay. And, you know, you were living uh, very close to your perfect day already when this came up, right? So what eventually turned the tables for you or or kind of tipped the scales to make make you decide, I am going to sell this thing?
1: Great question. Yeah, I love the perfect day. You know, I really was. I'd wake up and enjoy my workout, go coach, hang out with my friends all day. It was a, It really wasn't about that. You know, I still, like I had said earlier, super passionate about CrossFit and the community I was building. It just, you know, I think for a lot of box owners, they can relate. I, you know, I have a college degree and I have a master's in psychology and. Never used them, and never really thought about using them. I just did what you're supposed to do, which is kind of like go to school. So I was a trainer, and here I've built this facility that I never dreamed I would be able to build. Enjoying myself, and you know, along the way, it's kind of like you start to think, "What about you know retirement? What about this?" And I really, you know, had been saving some money. 401k and I didn't have a pension and all these things that a lot of other people did. So when the offer, once we started talking the financials and I realized what kind of offer they were looking to and willing to make, it kind of just started to sway me when I started thinking about what that meant to to my future.
0: Okay. So um, let's start talking about financials. We're not going to get too deep into the math here uh, because we've got a valuation calculator. But... How did you guys determine evaluation?
1: It, it's funny because I get asked that question all the time. And it wasn't, you know, obviously I had to pull up my, you know, P&Ls or profit and loss statements from my account, and tax returns and all that so they could see it, look through the books, give them access to, I think at the time we were using Wattify and we had used a couple other ones. You know, give them access to anything as anybody that would be buying a business would want to see. But really, to me, the the value came down to what I could make over the next few years versus what they were willing to give me. Okay. You know, I, I knew, okay, if I continue to work, here's, here's my projected income this year. Here's where I can see going next year. And obviously, as any box owner is aware of or any small business owner, I should say, there's always some fear. Like, who knows what the next year will bring? Crossfit can continue to grow. There could be more boxes opened around you. So many things can affect your your end of the day numbers. So I knew it. It was in my head, in my heart. Here's what I'm making. So the value has to be worth, you know, covering what I will no longer be making over
0: the next few years. Okay. And the big advantage you had here was you didn't have to sell, right? You were making money. You had a great living.
1: Absolutely, and that's you know part of. My strategy, I suppose, in the negotiation was like, I don't need to sell this. At the time, I had no desire to move. Not that I didn't have a desire to, but it wasn't part of my plan. And it was like, hey, I'm living a good life. I enjoy coaching. I have a great coaching staff. We have plenty of members. So, you know, we're still very profitable. So if this doesn't work out, no big deal. But if it does, great.
0: Okay. And then you took them a number, and was there any kind of back and forth?
1: There was about two back and forths. I gave them a number based on what I just said. They responded with a number. And my response, those that know me know I'm pretty blunt and upfront with how I'm feeling. And I was like, if you're going to play this game, let's not do this. You know the gym's worth more than that. And what I'm willing to accept, if you're not going to come up to this, let's just end this conversation. And they came up to it.
0: They came up to your first proposed number?
1: My second, You know, I came up, there's one. I gave them a number, they gave me a number, I had that little statement to them, they, they came to my second number.
0: That's funny. So, um, we're not going to reveal what that number was. Suffice to say, it was over half a million. Um, to date, it's one of the biggest sales of a CrossFit gym. How did that process go with changing the name? Because you don't actually own the name CrossFit Albany as a CrossFit affiliate, right? Well, what happened?
1: I don't own the name. I'm the, I'm the affiliate through, through CrossFit or through HP. Right. And so what that basically means is I, I have the connection. So you can't just go in and say, okay, there's a new owner, put his name here now. Because he has to get approved to, to be a part of the affiliate system. So what actually happened was I kept the bike. And I, I created a new name, which was CrossFit Soulshine. Even though at the time I didn't own CrossFit Soulshine, I just wanted to stay a part of the affiliation. The, the new owner of the facility then had to apply through HQ, and I had to approve the fact that he could keep the name okay you know and
0: I have talked with Dale Saran about this before and they are really pretty amenable to helping out as long as it's not some kind of hostile takeover between partners or anything right
1: yeah and you know what I actually had to speak to Kathy Glassman who's always super helpful and you know they weren't sure about this sale because they didn't know the owner he's a good guy you know he's, he believes in CrossFit he's been a long time CrossFit he's had a L1 obviously um and you know, they were like, this is a globo gym. We don't want to do it there. And I was like, Kathy, this is where I've been all along. It's something different. It's just, you know, so, you know, I had to explain that to her. So they definitely always want to give the best and, and make sure they're providing the best for, for the affiliates out there. So I, I spoke to her, and then they were very, very friendly about it. And, you know, it's funny because so my name of CrossFit Soul Shine, if you had looked at the chronological order of, Affiliate, which used to be on the old website on the left side, was higher than Albany CrossFit, although there was about an eight-year gap in when they actually opened because it's based on when I affiliate, not the gym.
0: Yeah, I, I think that's the model that a lot of people don't understand is that you are the affiliate, not the space that you're occupying. Exactly. Okay. So, Jay, you know, We've uh, you've been through this conversation with a lot of affiliates. I know a lot of people turn to you for advice, just when they're trying to attach a value to their gym. Maybe they're considering buying somebody out, or maybe they're considering selling too. What are some of the biggest questions you get? I mean,
1: the the biggest one is how did you value? And like I said, that was really it. And I think to sum it up more concisely, you know, look at what you can make over the next two to three years, and decide if someone were to hand you that right now is it worth it you know you're getting an upfront payment you know or some sort of buyout but and 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 for the small amount of research i had done that was pretty pretty much the the consensus you know most small businesses are worth two to three times you know the, the profit and what i was making was basically the profit you know in retrospect, over the years could I've made that profit look bigger, sure, I could have you know, had less coaches on staff, spent less money on equipment, but at the same time, maybe my community wouldn't have been what it was had I been doing more.
0: Yeah, or maybe you would have been paying more taxes, too. I know um, when I bought a building, that's always the, the line that you walk. You know, Do you want to report everything as profit because then you're going to pay more taxes, but on the other hand... If you don't, it's going to actually decrease the value of your business that you went to sell, right? Absolutely. Exactly. Okay. And I get a lot of calls, actually, but I'm sure not as many as you, uh, of affiliates trying to put a value on their business. Unfortunately, most of the time, the answer that I give them is not uh, what they're hoping to hear. Do you find that same thing?
1: Yeah. Yeah. They want a more simple answer. They want to know exactly what it's worth black and white where you know i'm sure most people have heard this expression as you have it's worth what anyone's willing to pay for it at the end of the day right you could say it's worth this that because here are my numbers but if if you don't have someone willing to give you that it's not worth that
0: yeah right okay so let's talk about how valuation typically goes you mentioned uh two or three years of at profit um there's also more commonly used like a discounted cash flow model. Same kind of concept where you're paying like what the owner could expect to take from the business for three years and then you're keeping it forever, right? So you had a plan. How important is that to know like what your next step is going to be?
1: Well, it's funny. At the time, I didn't have a plan. You know, let me correct that. By the end of the the sale... Because you, know, you have your negotiation period and some back and forth like legalities as far as just what's going to be in the documents and, and, and whatnot. By the time it was signed, I had a plan and my, and my third box was just about open. But when the negotiations started originally, I didn't have a plan. It was, okay, now what? I'll figure it out. That's just how I've always been. I knew I'd do something, but I didn't know what it would be.
0: All right, so we're going to leave again all the math to the valuation calculator and the blog post from Rick Equipment. That stuff's all pretty explanatory. Let's talk about the, uh, leaving the connection to your community because I know that was pretty tough for you.
1: Of course, it was. You know, it was, I don't. I don't have kids at the moment, and I'd imagine you know this is what it felt like. This was my kid. It was my baby. I, I started it you know as a, as a baby at a small racquetball court before. Before there was rogue equipment, before there was anything, and I was buying stuff on Craigslist and making, you know, pull a pull-up bar that would fall out of the wall, and, you know, there's a lot of great memories to the point where, you know, on Facebook when it says, like, hey, this is your memory from seven years ago, it still makes me nostalgic and, re- and reminisce about those, those days. Um, so it was, it was definitely tough, and not just that, the connection, you know, as, as most box owners no, the community becomes your friends. Those are my friends, going to their weddings and going to their you know kid's bar mitzvah and stuff like that. So, yeah, it was tough. And although I still went in and worked out here and there, and, and was helping with the the transition from from me to the new owner, it, it wasn't the same. It was definitely a little different. And I'll tell you what else was harder than I thought it would be is just the. my friends in the community, how they felt about it. While they were, I wouldn't say they were mad, they were definitely sad and upset. I think most boxes take on the culture and the the vibe of the owner. And I have a very different personality than the new owner does. It was just different for them.
0: Did they say to you that they had any kind of sense of loss or anything like that?
1: Yeah, I, I remember getting one text that was like, soul of Albany CrossFit is dead. And I was like, okay, that's a little bit extreme. Yeah. But uh, yeah, it was just, you know, for, for a lot of our athletes, for a lot of members at CrossFit, this becomes such a huge part of their life. And a lot of people don't necessarily react well to change. And I know it definitely affected some. Some people may have left because of that. You know, other people just may have dealt with it. The, the coaching staff stayed, so there was still that aspect. But I think, you know, a lot of it was maybe just more in their head what they thought was changing. But it's definitely a different a different vibe. And, and now that it's been, you know, a year and a half, two years, and I've been there a couple of times recently visiting, it definitely feels different. But at the time, I don't think it was as drastic as they were making it out to be.
0: Okay, what did that transition look like, Jay? Um, I know a lot of affiliates who call. They think this is it. I'm going to sell this thing. I'm going to walk away, and I'm going to cash the check. But that's not really how it goes, right?
1: No, not at all. Um, for, for our agreement, there was some mentoring involved, so still helping them. You know, I had to teach the new owner a lot of things, how to use the software system, how to. Use the member system, just giving my advice. I mean, in the contract itself, I think I probably still have a few more months where they can call me and ask me questions. And I'm always, I'm happy to help no matter whether the contract is still valid or not, just like I would for any affiliate. But there's definitely, you're probably going to have some time period and a certain amount of hours during that time period where you're available to help with the transition okay I
0: like that a lot um, what are some of the big mistakes people make when they are trying to sell their box you know let's say that they uh, have gotten a job they can move away or they decided ownership is not for them and they're just going to work as a coach somewhere else so they start looking to sell their box and you know what are some of those mistakes you've seen them make
1: as what's very challenging for people and it was for me as well is you know, you go from owning a box to coaching elsewhere and you forget, hey, you're no longer the big dog. You're a coach. So you have to definitely have that. You have to be ready for that. You have to be ready to just take on the role as a coach and, and not be upset if you're not happy with every little detail that's going on in the box. Uh, in, in addition to that, I, I just think it, it's hard. It's, it's a, you know, it's a relationship and it's ending and going to a new one is is something different, and it's sometimes challenging, and sometimes really fun at first. You might look back and and reminisce and and, and miss your your old relationship, your old box. So, I I haven't seen too much as far as what's right and what's wrong moving forward, but I I think everyone will handle that a little bit differently.
0: How did you settle into being an athlete at your current box, Jake?
1: Well, where I trade primarily right now is my garage, so I guess technically I do own it, but it's uh, it's not an affiliate, if that's what you're asking, and then I'll hop in around town and just other boxes, I love it right now, it's like, for me, at the moment, it's like, just front and cross, but I, you know, I go wherever, I just take classes, or I'll just ask somebody, hey, what are you doing today, and I'll do it with them, or, you know, if I'm by myself in my garage, I'll just follow someone's programming, but... It's, it's a little different right now because I'm, I'm not really affiliated with anyone.
0: Okay, and you're still traveling for HQ?
1: Yeah, I still travel. So, obviously, on the weekends, training at a, at a level one or doing my own nutrition seminar. So, it's fun to just show up. You know, last week, I trained at probably six different boxes in, in six different days. And it's, it's just fun to really be a part of the community. I don't get too worried about whether I'm going to hit wall balls three days in a row or not. I just, you know, it's not about what you're doing. It's about who you're doing it with. And it's fun. Okay, man.
0: Last question. Um, For affiliates or other gyms who aren't planning to sell, um, should they still keep that mindset that someday they might want to? Like how will that affect how they run their business? That's
1: a great question. I'd say you should always be ready for anything. I think, hey, I'm growing this, so one day I can sell it for top dollar, I think you're probably going to chase excellence. And if you're chasing excellence, obviously it's going to be beneficial to your business. And Sure, you might get it to the point where you have no desire to sell it because it's just so financially lucrative, or you might decide to sell it for the same reason I did, that you've done such a good job that you've really been left no choice but to sell it. And I think anyone that owns and operates their own business, especially just a small business like a CrossFit affiliate, would be silly to not think about that one day being an option down the road. Okay, man.
0: Where can people reach you? I know you're really good about helping people out.
1: I'm always happy to talk to people anything CrossFit related. Obviously, they can email me. My email is jasonackerman36 at gmail.com. My website is squattherapy.com. I'm even willing to give out my phone number, if you don't mind, Chris. That's fine. 518-221-8531. The only thing I tell people about that phone number is don't call it. I will not call you back, but if you text me, I will. I will respond. Beautiful. My mom mom hates it. My mom calls me, and I text her right back. So (laughs) I will do the same to you.
0: Fantastic. Okay, thanks again, Jay.
1: Thanks for me. It's time for critical questions. Got a question
0: for Chris? Email chris at twobrainbusiness.com. Here's our most critical question this week. Today's critical question is another one that I'm seeing asked more and more often, and that is, should I deaffiliate? Usually I like to give a person's real name so they know that I'm talking to them and answering their specific question but today, I'm answering this question on behalf of several people who've been asking it recently, both in a broader uh, Facebook group, the Affiliate Owners Group, and in our private Facebook group, the Two Brain Business Group. What is the value of your CrossFit affiliation specifically? You know, most of us are paying either 1000 or 3000 depending when we came on board. And the value of that brand, I think, is worth at least 100 times what we're paying for it. Frankly, if you can't take something that you license for $1,000 and make $100,000 gross in the course of a year, you're probably doing something wrong. If you can't take a brand that's worth $3,000 and turn that into a $300,000 enterprise through a service model, eh, again, you're probably doing something wrong here. And I don't think that's HQ's fault. What about providing business advice to affiliates? You know, I've been lucky enough to be having some of these conversations with HQ staff over the last three years. Some of them have been really great. Some of them have increased my knowledge about you know, libertarianism and the free market economy and the philosophy of success and failure. It's been a fantastic, fantastic discussion. But what you have to realize is that the goal of CrossFit is to give us the entrepreneurial opportunity we have a chance to open a gym. And as I said at the beginning of this episode, that is a huge opportunity. But opening a gym is easy. Keeping a gym is hard. So you shouldn't expect that the brand alone will determine your success or your failure. Unfortunately, I have seen some people believe that the CrossFit name is just going to provide for them. You know, that it's going to send manna from heaven as soon as they put that sign up, that naming their box, you know, Uh, CrossFit one, two, three is going to be bringing people in and keeping people around and that there's this, you know, intangible community that's going to manage retention for you. Three years ago, uh, the thought of getting a mentor was kind of verboten. People didn't talk about it. Now it seems like all the top boxes do it. And, you know, I work with a, a large number of these boxes, so I know. So what is the actual value and what is the perception and what is HQ's role in all of this? HQ's job is brand awareness. So if we look at the four stages of marketing here, we've got we got awareness, interest, or maybe desire, integration, and retention. And HQ's job really happens at the awareness stage, you know, and they've done a fantastic job of this. Everybody on the planet who's interested in fitness has heard the word CrossFit, and that's HQ's responsibility, using things like the CrossFit Open and the CrossFit Games and the Invitational and main site and the journal. All that stuff happens to establish the CrossFit brand as one with a great story and a lot of expertise. Your role is to take that brand and show your local audience how CrossFit is going to help them. That's the interest stage, the next stage. How do you do that? Well, you can duplicate what HQ does. You can tell the story of people doing CrossFit or you can establish your own expertise as a CrossFit coach. You do this through content marketing and you do it through social media you don't really do it through advertising, but there's a whole host of ways that you can do this. We teach a brand action worksheet with about 10 different marketing strategies to roll with every month. And then we do one kind of over-the-top strategy every few months too. One of these over-the-top strategies might be the new you challenge that you heard about a few episodes ago from Tommy Hackenbrook and Ken Andrew Cow. One might be couched to CrossFit, whatever it is. We're going to plan these things out way in advance, but it's more important to be consistent with your other marketing or branding. And I talk a lot about this stuff in help first. The value of the brand is what you make it. You can also change the timing of when you introduce the brand to a new client. So for example, consider these two scenarios. We sell CrossFit, come in and try CrossFit. If you like CrossFit, sign up here. This worked a lot with early adopters. This worked a lot with early majority. Now, as I wrote in the shifting market, I think that we're facing the late majority. And it's more important than ever that we can take our service and put it into the context of the people who might be interested. So these are folks who have heard of CrossFit, definitely, but they're not sure how CrossFit is going to solve their problem. So I want to lose weight, but I don't want to go compete in you know, Carson, California, so maybe CrossFit isn't for me. It's your job as an affiliate owner to bridge that gap for them. I'll give you a few examples. When we're doing our summer conditioning program for football teams, soccer teams, and hockey teams, every single one of these kids is doing CrossFit. The, CrossFit is the hub of our wheel. They're doing GPP. It's fun. It's novel. We're tracking these metrics and the workouts have names. It's CrossFit and it's done at our CrossFit gym. The first time I talk to the head coach of this team though, I'm going to talk about strength and conditioning because that's what he's interested in. He's not interested in CrossFit yet because I haven't explained how CrossFit is going to help him or haven't shown him. One principal guideline of media is show, don't tell. And so for a lot of these people, if I walk into their office waving a CrossFit flag, that's not going to bridge the gap for me. I need to tell them how I'm going to make their players stronger, faster, and have better on the field endurance. So I'm going to start with that. Then as the summer goes on and I talk to the kids about CrossFit a little bit more, now they've got a context onto which they can, you know, kind of drape their experience and say, okay, I've been doing CrossFit this whole time. Another example, I have a lot of personal training clients who've been with me over a decade. And I'll give you the example of Wayne first. Wayne is 87 years old now. He's been with me for almost 14 years. He does CrossFit he doesn't call it CrossFit. He calls it training. He comes in and does CrossFit one-on-one with me. And if I said, Wayne, do you want to come to a CrossFit group? He'd say, no, those people are crazy. By the way, what's the name of this workout again? So he's doing CrossFit, but it's in his own context. If I'm going to a corporate market and I talk about corporate wellness programs, there are a growing number of fitness professionals who are leaning only into this market. I might not call it Uh, you know cubicle to crossfit or something like that maybe I will what I might call it though is you know a corporate wellness program from catalyst And I might lay out what it's going to look like am I going to use crossfit absolutely because it's the most powerful tool I've ever come across to get people fit really fast and help them love it is my flyer going to say crossfit on it Yeah, maybe in the header that's about it are people in the market generally afraid of crossfit I don't think so now, I'm not familiar with some of these boxes who are um, claiming that that's the case. You know, maybe they are measuring traffic coming in from the street, and they are polling people who aren't coming in somehow, or they're taking surveys from their website for people who are looking at their website but not engaged. Maybe they're doing those things, or maybe they're just projecting their own perception onto you know, the other clients, and, and maybe they're blaming CrossFit HQ for their own lack of business understanding. That's definitely been the case with some affiliates that I've spoken to, and usually in those cases, they're open to it. They, they know it's not HQ's fault. More and more, I am seeing HQ taking a beating for the failure of box owners to succeed. Here's the bottom line. No matter what brand you're using, if you're using the CrossFit brand, if you're using the Nike brand, if you're using the Coca-Cola brand, the success of your gym is ultimately up to you. How you leverage that brand is everything. It's not having the brand itself. The brand doesn't solve your problem. The brand will get people in the door. It will define what you do. It will draw a nice little circle around your service and give people a way to talk about it easier, but it is not your entire service. Your service is fitness. CrossFit is your best tool. Maybe paleo is another tool. Maybe the zone diet is another tool. You know, maybe starting strength is another tool, whatever. If you're not successful, As a CrossFit gym, look at yourself first. That's it for this week. Hope you enjoyed the show. Hope you use the calculator. Hope you never go out of business. And I hope that you grow.